So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I'm ready too. I did it. I did it. I pressed record. Okay, I pressed record. Okay, go. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Built in uh, microwave. Semicolon. Semicolon. Um this is another one in our series of designing dystopia. Where are we? Yeah, where and are so we? So we <laughs> we did, <laughs> Where where am I? Uh-huh. Why am I in this handbasket? Right. Um so where are we going and why am I in his hand desk? So uh, I just uh, I have some notes from our past conversations about dystopias and and what makes uh, what is a well executed dystopia? How does it look? Mm-hmm. What's dysto- What's dystopic about it? Et cetera, et cetera. And so um, we figured that since this has been a rambling conversation that we've had over several hours and several days, we should sort of. Uh, locate ourselves within the context of that conversation and cover some of the stuff in summary that we've already arrived at in theory. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, for example, we, I, I was keeping a list of things that we thought were sort of like essential elements, um, in the recipe for a dystopia. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I will run through the list quickly here and we can discuss. Okay. Um, the criteria for creating a, a good dystopia and good means one that actually functions excellently as a dystopia. Uh, a, a good dystopia would include fierce competition for potentially ever decreasing resources. Okay. Um, an attitude that might makes right. And so, uh, the person who can assert most strongly that a way a thing is the way it is is the one who wins. Um, some kind of state control and or thought police. Mm-hmm. Um, some kind of nepotism or tribalism in terms of human resources. Thinking of people as resources and not as humans. So right. a, a good t- a tendency to use people as a means to an end. Um, because this is going to suck really bad for everybody trapped in this dystopia, we have to give them some kind of reality suppressing or soporific uh, substance so that they can operate in an altered enough state that they are um, at least resilient to the negative aspects of a dystopia because we want to keep them around. Right, right. Right? Yep. Um, at number six, I wrote slavery big time. Slavery big time. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, in in addition to there being thought police, there should also be physical um, control over people's bodies. And so like the thought of uh, a total lack of bodily autonomy, essentially. Right. Um. Probably forced sterilizations, I would think. Yep. That's pretty common among dystopias. Uh, well, although I didn't, I figure that fits under bodily autonomy. Sure. Um, information control, so propaganda, censorship, um, any kind of uh, requiring, so a separate issue, uh, censorship, dehumanizing, uh, and dehumanizing um, conditions. Uh, religious or cult-like um, requiring devotion from people to some kind of central authority or ideology, um, a, an isolation, like putting people in isolation, or the alternative, uh, the flip side of that, is a total lack of privacy. Um, right, right. At all. So uh, you can, I suppose it depends on what your particular preferred flavor of dystopia is sure as to which direction you go there forcing people to be overly close and intimate with each other or requiring people to be completely isolated and not allowing them to have connections to other people i think are both like equally damaging in opposite directions sure yeah i mean i think there a lot of these have sort of extremes on one end or the other of that scale where as long as it's an extreme that it satisfies that kind of requirement for um being effective in promoting a dystopian society Mm -hmm. or creating and establishing yeah 
I think we didn't specifically write this anywhere or note it <clears throat> before, but I think um, like the the leadership, who, whoever is in charge, hand in hand with the concept of might makes right is sort of like a physically oppressive and probably fairly sadistic leadership. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part. I can be a big part of it. Um, I mean, why would you, who would want to be in charge of a dystopia on purpose if they weren't a sadist? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, um, I mean, it's a, well, we'll keep going. I think that's, I, I yeah. think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's something we probably should, should up, append to the list. Okay. I'm adding it to the list. All right. Sadism. Yeah. <laughs> well, sadistic. I mean, that's kind of the whole exercise. Leaders. I, I mean, I think that's something that we probably need to discuss a little bit more in depth is the concept of what it means to be dystopia. Like, well, that's what we're getting at, right? Is like, is dystopia, defining dystopia as sort of maximizing and stabilizing a state of human suffering, right? Mm, that is like, that's, I like how you phrase that. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, my work here yeah. is done. Uh, we solved it. We, we cracked solved it. the case. Done. Okay. Moving on. Um, and so that's definitely uh, having a sadistic, leadership is is a huge part of that absolutely um i mean the, the admitted the admittedly like little in like the little research i've done in in american slavery the history of american slavery um you know and reading accounts and things like that and, and trying to you know become aware of what happened that's yeah um they lived they lived in a dystopian nightmare there were like fiefdoms of sadistic leadership over plantations and whole populations of um mm -hmm. black americans or you know um basically anyone who was enslaved but you know black americans um yeah. and they were just you know systematically like tortured and and abused and um yeah anyway um the, it, yeah. like very sadistic objectify. right i mean yeah objectify i mean the fact that yeah anyway um yeah extra extraordinarily extraordinary cruelty yes yeah which which by its very nature you know as it's as it's one human inflicting that on another you're definitely in the in the realm of sadism um mm -hmm. so uh what else do we have on the list or are we have we kind of um, so then we, um, we talked about favorite films of ours, like our favorite dystopian oh, films. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, um <clears throat> we talked about some books um, and short stories. Yeah. Some books and short stories. Yep. We, we talked about, um, gosh. I mean, we've talked about lots of stuff, mostly mostly expounding on the the points that we made in the yeah in like the list. Like, if we got to have all these right, things, right, what yeah. So, so I thought um, now that we you've kind of powered through the list and we've kind of gone over those, I thought we yeah. might compare that to um, so the article oh, on and we yes yeah we also talked about Huxley and Orwell. Yeah, <laughs> my dystopia is better than yours. I knew there was something else. Yes, I was like, yeah. I'm, we're skipping something hilarious here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so what I thought um, with with you know as we've kind of like created this list of the pillars of dystopia um, or sort of cornerstone elements or important pieces. Um, there's oh yes. here's yeah here's another one a method for erad eroding or devaluing truth yes is like getting get, and getting buy-in from the public that is also a pillar of right dystopia right um sorry no 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 yeah absolutely so uh i thought it would be good to revisit the wikipedia article a little bit um there's some there's so there's some common themes that they list out, and I thought we might go through those and compare and contrast with what yeah. what we've talked about so far. Um, you know, just to kind of 
look at what other people are, are writing and, and sort yeah. of using as sort of common themes which, and characteristics. Which wiki page is this? I'll go to it's it the, and then we can talk. It's the Dystopia wiki page, okay. main, main article on Dystopia. Um, Here we go. Yeah. So um, first and foremost, uh, the article describes dystopia as often characterized by dehumanization, tyrannical governments, environmental disasters, um, and Ooh, yes. associated with a cataclysmic decline in society. Yeah. Um, so, so we've definitely touched on all of those issues. Um, the cataclysmic yeah. decline in society. I think that's good. I, I think that's a great way of thinking about it because that's what we're talking about is um, society or like social, social structure is a big part of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so society is sort of the idea of a, a human collaboration on, on living, right? Like we live together in a society. Yep. We're not these <clears throat> solo creatures where it's like, well, I live, I mean, some individuals might be closer to, you know, desiring more hermit style living. Um, but generally speaking as a society, like we, that is the thing, right? Society. And what does that look like? So to kind of talk about that being a decline in, so in society is definitely a big part of, of the, the definition of what a dystopia is, right? Like a cataclysmically yes. failed society. Um, so there's some common themes and I'll just kind of go through all of them really quickly and then we can kind of visit, um, or we could just, I mean, obviously they're big, we have structured rules about all of our conversations. So very rigid steps <laughs> to follow. Rigid, yes. We have a, an iron, ironclad protocol for these things. Right. Let's just let's just take them as they come. Um so uh common themes according to Wikipedia, the very first one is politics and mm. we've definitely discussed this one. We talked about um there's, you know, some of the novels that we talked about, so 1984, Brave New World, um uh the movie Brazil. Um we have we even talked about Logan's Run and Soylent Green. Like there's a ton of mm -mm. um yeah, I'm sure people listening to this are like, how can you leave out yeah. I The other Call thing I thought about... Send us an angry email. We never... I don't think we even brought up The Handmaid's Tale yet. Um, oh my God, we totally didn't. And I felt like basically morally remiss for that. Yeah, but, so good. but we haven't... You know, it's not over yet, right? Like we're not... This isn't some close to the chapter and we finalized this discussion and we're never you know there's mm -hmm. nothing else to be said about designing dystopias um that's it that's we it wrote the book on dystopias we're done we're done done um, next next uh problem solved um okay so yeah politics uh we've yep. got economics yep um so in economics we talked about um uh, let's see. So we talked about the book, Do uh, Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Mm. I don't think when we talked about that, I mentioned much of the economics, but um, I think I touched on it, which was to say that there was um, there was a sense of one of the social structures was where people kind of being obsessed with status. Um, and so wealth meant that you could just, you know, you could display an outward display of status right so one of the yeah. one of the big status symbols that's kind of recurring theme in in philip k dick's novel do androids dream of electric sheep is the um is the idea of owning real life animals as opposed to um approximations or uh you know in in the story decker has a has a black-faced sheep that we talked about that is a synthetic right. it's a synthetic sheep right it's a android or well, right. not an android, but a robotic sheep. Um, sure. And so, uh, economics. We've got um, as kind of a a minor topic in that, which is what I just was mentioning, which is the concept of classes. Um, right. You really want to you really want to put some distance between the haves and the have-nots. Yep. Yeah. And having like a big income disparity, um, which you know, uh, I think. I think that's a very relatable idea that, 
you know, we're living in now in a time where there's massive income disparity and like our parents lived in a time when you could reasonably have say a blue collar job and own a house and two cars and only one of the household members would have to work to right. both support that lifestyle and save for retirement. Right. And then retire with the whole family, right? Like or with the, you know, right. with your spouse. Yeah. I mean, yep. obviously in that time it would have been the man working and the woman staying at home, but um that's, you know, you know, another social thing, issue. Yeah. The interesting thing too is that for me is that I think the division of labor within a household like I think for a household to function optimally, there has to be someone managing it. Mm -hmm. So I think that objectively, it makes sense for one way that you could divide duties is to be uh, one person manages everything outside the house and all of the work that's done outside of the house. And another person manages all the work that's done inside the house. It just so happens that a real easy and oppressive way to divide that division of labor is to make men the people who earn all of the money and therefore have all of the power and women to stay home. Right. Which in some ways, if you're raising children, kind of makes sense because mothering children is different from fathering them. And there are just some things that his, you know, biologically women have to do like if you're into breastfeeding, there's got to be a lady with breasts who's, who can feed there's, a kid. There's got to be a boob. Somewhere in the equation. Right. There's got to be a boob. Right. Um, but uh, so I, I don't think there's anything like um it's i like on paper and not on paper but inherently it's that's not the right like that's not the issue the issue is what you kind of highlighted which is that um within that it's it's ranked right so yeah. head of household is not is is below income earner um right in, yes, in, in the that. in the sort of social view of it as opposed to mm -hmm. i mean that's obviously changing a lot now and we do live in a time where more and more um families can be well yeah more and more families can be more diverse and and have you know more fluid transitions and there's less oppression in that regard hopefully um, right yes although you know i i beg to differ on on that a little bit currently in our current sort I of love situation but yeah i love managing a house i i in fact our massage therapist is like why don't you manage other people's houses for money yeah and i right. was like actually that's I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. No, but that's really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's basically a kind of asset management, right? Like you're just, yeah. you know, being more realistic about what you have um, or what someone yeah. has and then managing that in a, in a more reasonable way. Um, right. Like some of his clients um, have house managers because they're like professional sports players and things. He does sports medicine. Yeah. And so those people, or people like them who are very busy and have lots of money mm -hmm. oftentimes have a, a house that actually is large enough that it requires someone coordinating a gardener and a cleaner. And like if there are special events, cooks and right. catering and right. things like that. And that sounds like a blast to me. It doesn't matter to me. It's not my house. Yeah. Uh, I So... Um Anyway, that was a tangent. Yeah, that's okay. Meg's potential career changes at 40. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I, and my point was just that, you know, there was, we live in a, when we're talking about classes, we live in a time where income disparity is growing exponentially right now. Um, well, right. Like your boss used to make maybe like the highest paid person in a company would maybe make 20 times what the lowest paid person makes. Right. Maybe. And now it's just like if you look at Amazon. Factors of a thousand. Thousands like, and millions of people doing all of the work yep. and one fucking guy at the top taking all of the money. Yep. Yeah. So um, it's... Uh, I mean, there's there have to be other assholes peppered throughout that too, uh -huh. no doubt. But yeah, like oh, the other thing I noticed here's this is fucking dystopia for you. Yeah, his ex-wife is now the richest woman in the world because some of the stock that she got and their investments that she had when they split have now been so 
buffeted by the like it's been her money has increased because of the pandemic and because of all the like the fact that we're in a like essentially like situation of state collapse like we're a failed state in slow motion right now right right and like she just became like there's 10 people at the top and Every time there's a natural disaster, somebody makes an extra billion dollars uh-huh. and they just keep tr- trading like, oh, now I'm in charge. Oh, now I'm in front. Oh, now you're in top. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's just absurd amounts of money. Oh, gross. Like, what is the lowest paid worker at Amazon get paid? Like, even it, what what is even considered minimum wage? Because they're all over the place. I bet it's not even $15 an hour. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. And then, and then they're making billions by accident. Right. Yeah. It's just nuts. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay. So class, um, is a, you know, a sort of a sub, sub portion of economics. We talked about politics a little bit, economics, class, um, family. So family is something that I don't think we pushed on too much, but the two kind of major examples of family would be a brave new world and Fahrenheit 451, where mm-hmm. the concept of family was sort of eradicated and the social institution was more state run. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you didn't have a sense of family. What you had was a sense of state. Now I would argue that um Certain families can be just as dystopian and and terrible. Um, and in some, I mean, you don't have a choice of the family that you have. And if you're lucky, you have a family that's like pretty decent to you. And if you're unlucky, you kind of have a pretty shitty family. Um, right. And you know, all in between. So it's I don't know. It's a weird weird concept. But um, yeah. So dystopians as like a as as a sort of rearranging and destroying the sort of traditional family concepts um okay so religion religion being uh one of the themes um and that that one obviously the handmaid's tale uh has a big sort of christian-based theocratic sort of focus um theocracies are terrifying because they're not mm -hmm. actually based on anything but a thing that right now we agree is the truth for some reason Right, right. So they they've definitely got what where was that on the list? Um <clears throat> I think theocracies more so than maybe other types of utopias have the um where is it? I'm scanning back here. They have um like propaganda and thought police and like weird uh arbitrary devotion nailed. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> cornered the dystopias on that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't know. Theocracies are nuts. Yeah, they are super nuts. They're, they're just so capricious. Like, yeah. you know, we all of a sudden just decide that our in-group doesn't like this anymore and we're going to target people for x like it it makes no sense it could be anybody at that point (coughs) anybody could be next anybody's next yeah so uh okay so after religion uh the wikipedia article also references the concept of or the theme of identity and it cites a russian novel uh called we by uh yevgeny yamyatin Zamyatin, uh, which was published in 1921. Um, mm. In this in this novel, people are permitted to live out of public view twice a week for one hour and are only referred to by numbers instead of names. So, um, Ooh, depersonalization. Yeah. So, uh, other you know other examples are uh, dystopian concept or sort of fictional works uh mostly that they're talking about where um society forces individuals to conform to some radical egalitarian social norms um and so that yeah so um i think i think this is the rhetoric around people like what people think socialism is um when they're when they're ah. sort of 
they're they're opposed to socialism <clears throat> because they fear that um, the concept of socialism is that everyone has to be the same, which is also yeah. kind of I, I think people conflate socialism with um, communism um, a lot of the time, and and oftentimes communism uses concepts of socialism to consolidate power. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, and that kind of talk. I mean, that kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier, which is that any any extreme can become very dystopian. Um, Right. Yes. So you're basically pushing whatever the variable is past its logically absurd point. Yeah. And making it right. And therefore making it unlivable. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So identity. So violence. Uh, you know, this is a. Um, so violence is a theme. Um, I mean, we can think of a lot. I think I don't know if we talked about a Clockwork Orange. Oh, that's such a good one. Um, but that was definitely a good movie. Um, very dystopian because of the the concept of ultraviolence and and everything is. Uh, I think we kind of approach the violence theme by when we talk about um, the requirement that might make might makes right is a, yeah. is a overriding philosophy of the society. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I definitely think that fits. Yeah, under that category of like, um, you could also consider a lack of bodily autonomy to be a form of violence. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, um, state sponsored violence is always been one for me. I mean, I think uh, if you, if you've ever been either personally involved with, or you're much more aware of um, capital punishment, at least in the U S uh, you should probably understand this pretty easily that, that violence is not, not so it doesn't solve anything um no and it's recursive it always is an act of, an act of violence is an act of violence whether you are the perpetrator or the victim of it and both parties like you cannot do violence to another person without doing it to yourself at the same time yep yeah um, it's always recursive yeah it's pretty uh or reciprocal is that what you mean mm-hmm it doubles back on the person giving it out. Right. So, uh, I, maybe that's a semantic argument. I'm not sure. Yes, but I, I anyway, know. you're right. Maybe. Um, yes, but it is it is that 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 problem of of visiting violence on others is is also ends up visiting violence on you, and it's not a it's not it's not a solution. Um, okay, <clears throat> yeah. violence nature. So. Uh, some examples. So as a theme, right? So we're talking about themes of dystopias, uh, nature being one of them. Um, they're talking about, um, so dystopian. Uh, so in this case, nature might be the extreme of isolating people from nature. Ah, yes. Uh, in which case, like we could talk again about Brazil and the sort of, hyper mega complex like hyper mega office and and apartment complex world that is portrayed where there is no access to nature at any point um the entire the entire movie as far as i can remember the main character nothing takes place outdoors yeah the main character is just entirely isolated from any natural environment <clears throat> um let's see uh I mean, I definitely think how we are existing right now on September 4th, 2020 in North America is like totally dystopian. Right. I mean. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's it. Um, man, it's really. You can go outside, but you can't be anywhere near other people. I mean, for some of us, not being around other people is our preferred state yes but that's not to say that we are completely isolated in a hermitage it's like right right i want to be able to choose my level of engagement and for me that level is usually pretty low but that said yeah but i can't yeah i don't want to be completely cut off from people either right right I, and and i want to be the one who decides so that's like several layers of things right there <laughs> yeah, right right i mean a lot of this has to do with um 
I think a, a lot of times like a perce- perceived dystopia has more to do with whether your current desires are in line with what's being enforced on you. So if I, it, you know, it's kind of like um, if, if I, you know, so for instance, I imagine like a lot of people, they don't, if you're white in America right now and you don't give two shits about anyone else, then things are looking pretty great for you. Um, Except you're extremely annoyed all of the time. Well, yeah, but I mean, my point being is like, like your con, like, you know, the fact that laws or, or sort of loss of rights are happening around you Mm -hmm. um, doesn't affect you because the rights that are being taken away are not ones that you believe you would choose to exercise in this moment. And so you're kind of, you're not perceiving the level of dystopia that's happening right now, right? Whereas if you're someone right. who's like, I would like to choose to breathe right now, then then your rights are incredibly infringed upon and it is very dis- like dystopian, your experience. Yeah, like there's a couple of things going on in Minneapolis right now that make me, that come to mind for me. One is that we've got a really serious problem with unhoused people um, sleeping in tents in parks because it's the only place that they can go where they're not sheltering indoors in close proximity to other people. And so because it's dangerous to stay in actual s- structural shelters at this point, people are just <clears throat> sleeping outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not great because today is September 4th and up here you can already feel the chill in the air when the wind blows. And so... There's a lot of urgency to solving this problem because winter is going to be here before COVID goes away. And so there needs to be some kind of a solution to this housing problem. Um, and the way that people in Minneapolis have responded to sleeping in the parks, like the way that neighbors around the parks, Minneapolis is an incredible park system. And so every neighborhood has a park named after that neighborhood. <clears throat> Holland neighborhood has Holland Park. Um, Beltrami has Beltrami. There's all of these different neighborhoods and they all have a park. And so the the nice spots in the neighborhood are built around the edges of the park and border the park and you can look into the park and everybody can see everybody's house and it's all this, oh, it's so great. Everything's wonderful. Well, some people are very helpful and are organizing mutual aid stations and trying to get services into the parks and trying to keep things safe and trying to provide food. <clears throat> and then the opposite of that are like some of the most vile human beings I have ever witnessed in print expressing their opinions about other human beings in close proximity. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the shit that people say on the message boards about the homeless folks in Minneapolis is inhuman right um and absolutely revolting and it makes me sad to say as someone who studies ethics that my personal feeling about the people who are adding to the problem and denigrating other human beings and basically dehumanizing them um is that it's going to be really easy not to help those people when they need it like it's going to be real fucking easy for me to be like sorry can't help you right because it's all going to come. I mean, yeah. if we don't fix this problem, there's a, there's something like 40 million people on the verge of eviction right now. Uh-huh. Um, that's like one in 10. You know, I the last time I heard what the population of the United States was, it was somewhere between 350 and 400 million people. That's like one in 10. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, half of your chances or half of your choices are chances. Yep. And the fact that you are homed or housed is half chance as well. Yes. And so don't be so fucking self-congratulatory Yeah. because you have a house that looks over a park where somebody else doesn't. Right. Like, if people are going to be this shitty, I just... The the harder it gets around here, <clears throat> the more polarized people are getting. And that is going to lead into a very violent an untenable situation. Um, And I don't, I'm not even going to begin to expound on how I feel about that, but it seems inevitable at this point because anytime somebody says I'm hurting, I need help. Please stop hurting me. The response from the herders over here in our circumstances are to essentially double down and make it 
worse. Right. Yes. Um, and so that that is driving the entire discourse in a direction that is going to um, it's going to deteriorate rapidly if we don't turn it around. So there's that, and then there's also the policing in Minneapolis that's extremely dystopian. Yeah. And, um, how <clears throat> how the police are handling doing their job right now is that they're not. They're just refusing to do it because they're pouting and they want to be like, oh, yeah, well, you want to get rid of the cops? We'll see how you like it. And now they're not responding to any calls that even the ones where there's danger involved or violence involved, where it would be completely appropriate for someone to show up to a violent situation and then handle that situation. The the other 96% of police calls that somehow over time have gotten routed to police, even though they have nothing to do with the police. Right. And then the police get a bunch of money to deal with those things that are none of their business and are not trained to handle, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're, they don't want to do those things either. And so um, it's like, it's just kind of sucky around here. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the way people are behaving about it is... Um, it's really interesting because, okay, so there's the people who are being oppressed. Yep. And when they cry out about dystopia, what their complaints are, are we're being oppressed. We're having a smaller and smaller share of resources, even though we're doing more and more of the work. Um, in some cases, we face daily existential threats because of prejudicial reasons like what we appear to someone else as. Right. Um, and then the people doing the oppressing are also claiming to be in a dystopia where their right to have a park to look at is being infringed upon by people who don't have a house. Right. And so they're also expressing disapproval of the dystopia that we live in. But their dystopia is not the same dystopia as the people at the bottom of it. Yeah. Right. right. Like It's very interesting because everybody's unhappy with how things are going right now here. But we're all claiming it's for different reasons. Yeah. Um, so the people being abused have a problem with being abused. And the people doing the abusing have a problem that there are people there for them to abuse. Right. Uh, God. And this could be easily solved if the people doing the abusing could just recognize that that's what they're doing and fucking stop it. Yeah. Like all of these problems will go away. Right. So that's weird. That It's very weird because um, this is one of my least favorite scenarios to be in where we can't even agree on the basis of the reality that we appear to be sharing, but mm-hmm. can't get straight. Like, we can't even have a conversation about solving what everyone agrees are collectively the problems at hand. Right. Because we can't, we can't even agree about whose problems those are and who they're affecting how well that's one of our core um one of our core pillars of designing a good dystopia is to undermine the truth right so right yes um, exactly to devalue uh empirical evidence and because then that allows you to rewrite narratives and recreate history and um also put people in a position where they're now dependent on you to define reality. Right. Yes. Um, and so then, and also I think it's kind of a bad precedent that we live in a society right now where reality is defined by what we want. And so if you're, if you're in a position of power, you have like, we live in a time where if you have enough power your personal experience of the world can be whatever you want it to be. And so you bring your own, you're not, you're never, you're never, um, you never run up against the, the boundaries of, of a reality because you can just keep going in a direction and believe that that's the way the world is because you You have, you have so much money and power that it just transforms your existence in a way that's like, I just believe that, you know, I need to sleep on a fresh corpse every night and you have so much money that someone's willing to make that happen for you. Like, it's not, you know, like... (laughs) Jeffrey Epstein! (laughs) Like, it's so... And and so that's just seems normal to you. And because you don't have... You don't have to push up against the boundaries of, like, limitations. Um, 
Yeah. And you have so much wealth and power that those around you are are by their very nature trying to please you to the point where you may not even have to say anything. They may just decide, like, you're going to end up in a situation where people are looking at you and being like, I think what he wants or she wants is this. And they're going to start doing it and you're going to reward them without even thinking about it. Yeah. Or your, you know, your existence is rewarding them by being like, well, you know, there's some money. Like, I want to, I want a house made or whatever. And, and I kind of feel like this is what happens to celebrities. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's that issue of, of, um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Like, that's the, that's the problem is that, um, I think, I, you know, I'm purely speculating here, but I think that our our minds are adapted and evolved to a point where they their interaction with reality is the like how we exist, right? Like they push up against it, and as soon as yeah. you kind of really lower and soften those boundaries, then it gets real weird. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um. And and I would argue that's a, its own kind of dystopia, right? When you're so removed from reality that you you can't even experience it in a like a visceral way, um, right? It's one of you know, and we like so not all of us have that experience, but I imagine most Americans have that experience on some level, just because of the nature of even when you're homeless in America or in the U.S., you're still probably better off than most people in the world or many people in the world right there's um you know not entirely maybe i don't know uh, not not entirely but but in general like up until recently we had um a certain baseline of public services that meant that yeah i'm uh, by all means there are many people who fall through the cracks i'm not trying to make like that level of blanket of statement but if you for instance have a job and pay rent or live in a home then you have a certain experience of disconnection from reality, right? Um, that yeah. that you would more fundamentally experience if you, for instance, dropped yourself in the middle of the woods with you know a loincloth. Like it's yeah. I mean, a lot of design that humans undertake is to distance ourselves from reality. Like yeah. we put, we build a house around us, so yep. we're not in direct contact with nature. We. Right. Um, have telephones so that we can talk to each other over distances and not have to be in the same place at the same time. We like all of these things are meant to circumvent how things actually are. Right. And, and this actually really dovetails really well to connect. So we were just talking about nature. Um, as so we were kind of going through the list of the Wikipedia article and the themes of dystopian fiction or dystopian thought. And, uh, so, the next one after nature is science and technology. And I think one of the aspects of science and technology is that by its very nature is isolating us from nature, from, yeah. from the raw reality of being a human being in a really like brutal environment. Um, you know, one in which there are other living entities that may want to take the resources that you represent both physically or maybe just take your food, but also take you as food um, or, um, uh, you know, extreme weather where you're yeah. you know, doing your best to adapt to it. But at certain temperatures, like you were talking about, I mean, a homeless, homeless population in San Diego has very different um, needs than a homeless population, say, in Minneapolis, where they ha- you have more extreme weather conditions. In San Diego, yes. um, I do believe during the winter, there are times when it could be quite whole, you know, so if you're a, a healthy, you know, 20-something human being in San Diego in the winter, you're probably going to survive just fine. But as you get older, those are going to be harder and harder. Because even though our extreme weather is, is, I don't think it ever really gets, I think we get frosts sometimes very rarely. Mm-hmm. But Again, um, generally considered, you know, it's just not as extreme. But my point being is that science and technology. So as a theme, as dystopian themes, um, they're they're oftentimes um, in fiction, they're used oftentimes they'll be kind of in the realm of uh, maybe you might have like some governing artificial intelligence 
Um, yeah. Or, you know, we talked a little bit about the Matrix. That's a perfect example of the, you know, the artificial, the machines basically t enslaving humanity, um, mm -hmm. you know, enslavement under some technology, um, some unforeseen negative impact of technology. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite authors, um, William Gibson, uh, famously wrote um, Neuromancer, in which he describes sort of this sort of dystopia of um, the advent of the internet. And and in his example, um, instead of emails, everybody was sending each other faxes. And so the world is just littered in like really thin fax paper of just communications that have just been you know, that are being sent all the time. And so it's just, there's this constant, Ugh. constant sort of like influx of fax paper just being printed on and, and, you know, um, which, so essentially imagine that all your emails, all the emails, all the spam, all the bullshit, all of Everything. that got printed out for everybody. Even, there'd be like, we would quickly run out of resources. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of, um, in his in his sort of dystopian world, that was kind of something he visioned. And this was you have to understand yeah. he wrote this book before there was internet, and so yeah, he that's was so crazy. yeah, it's really nuts. It's it's definitely um, he has a really distinct writing style, and I would recommend it to anyone who has any interest in um, in the origins of cyberpunk and you know early early which, sort of which book was it? It's called Neuromancer. Yeah. Okay. That's the one that like. Uh, Damon always tells me to read. Yeah, it's um, it's not his best writing in the sense that it, it's one of his earlier novels, and so he's you know he really gets his legs later. Uh, you know, some of his later novels are really are great, but that one is mm. such an iconic part of the culture. Um, yeah, especially Generation X. I think that was kind of our our early um, one of the early kind of iconic sort of pop culture. Um, I love Generation X. Yeah, they don't exist though. Obviously, they never did. Um, <clears throat> never. We're we're all fake. We're all fake. Um, we're history's forgotten children. Right. Right. We were like the starter kids, and then like the boomers were like, "Just kidding." Just kidding. And then they just kind of abandoned our generation, and then got really into having grandkids and yeah. generation millennials and Zs, and yep. like that's so much better. And then we were just kind of like cast aside. Yep. And then accused of being slackers. Yes. Here, we're going to take away all your opportunities. We're going to make it impossible for you to afford school. You won't be able to do any kind of personal development. And when you fail to thrive, we're going to call you slackers. Yes, exactly. God. No wonder our whole generation is basically like, fuck you. Right. I'm not doing what you want me to do. Yeah. Get the fuck away from me. Um, yeah. We're all just waiting to put you guys in homes. Yeah. You think we're slackers? I can get motivated for certain things. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so some of the, according to the Wikipedia article, some of the kind of typical dystopian uh, topics or themes around science and technology um, revolve around technologies harming our interpersonal communication, relationships, and communities. Um, you know, so we can think of real world examples of that, like social media, um, technologies reinforcing hierarchies, concentrating knowledge and skills. Uh, this is one another concept, a, a sort of mm -hmm. sub theme mm -hmm. of technology, uh, yep. increased surveillance and er erosion of privacy. Again, social media, um, yep. uh, widening in inequalities of power and wealth, giving up control to machines, um, Another one is, yeah, go ahead. The, the whole concept of giving up control to machines doesn't make any sense to me because machines don't exist without people designing and controlling them. Yeah, it's, well, okay, right. But remember, we're also talking about fictional concepts as well. Sure, okay. Yeah, no, right. I like yes, immediately I'm like, yes, I agree with you. And then I was like, oh, wait, but they're talking about, um, this is, this isn't, Real world dystopia. This is just yep. all general concept of dystopia, um, including fiction, hypothetical, hypothetical yeah, yeah. or imaginative. Okay. Um, yeah. And these are especially typical dystopian claims of technology, science, and technology. And we, yes, we we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about uncomfortable, uh, like 
um, thought experiments. We like, do. somebody's going to die. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to die. Um, in this scenario, in this awful scenario, like, we're like a really toned down version of like those creepy torture porn movies like Saw or Human Centipede. Uh-huh. Yes, right. Please don't sew my lips to a butthole. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, what if we, what if we, we, we sewed your, uh, your, your, um, I don't know what the sort of like psychological equivalent of lips would be in buttholes, but um, anyway. (laughs) That is such a hilarious metaphor. Right. Like the first time I saw, um, I have never watched the human side or saw. I'm just not fucking interested. I find it somewhat, I find them hilarious in the same way that I find Kafka very funny, but other people view these things as like serious horror yes themes and i'm like i I think what's scariest for me is that like people are actually upset by the concept of something like the human centipede like i find that more frightening that than the fact that somebody made a movie about lips on butts like ask millennials all they do is eat ass right they never shut up about it. Right. They've raised the bar for everybody. Like, if you're over 35, you're out of the sex game because I'm not licking assholes on the regular friends. Right. But it's like a, it's like entry level millennial sex act. Uh huh. We can't go out to dinner until after you've had a taste. I don't know. Whatever. Does that, does that like, count as like what fifth base or something? Or like third, fourth <laughs> base? Sorry. Anyway, we're not even playing baseball anymore. Right. Baseball's for loser old people. Right. <laughs> we're into like some kind of like advanced collaborative online rgp or something uh-huh rpg rpg yeah whatever yeah, yeah. totally got you oh um <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay so so continuing anyway. with the uh science and- <laughs> there's so there's a dystopia you can have sex with whoever you want but you gotta start with the asshole right <laughs> Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no indeed. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so like um uh Oh, so yeah, so I totally derailed No, this. no, no, Mission you're fine. Accomplished. Mission accomplished. Uh, no, I'm I'm on task here. So more <laughs> more um sub sub themes of science and technology. So sometimes new technologies are regressive in uh dystopian sort of constructs. So um as in like the we used to have better technology than we have now um so like a ah. decline in sort of knowledge and and ability by society to create um technological devices or technological support um mm, mm-hmm. so let's see uh the unforeseen impacts of technology are negative you know that's a classic one where it's like you know we invented nuclear power and now we blew ourselves up um Right. Yeah. Or like we've genetically engineered and released millions of mosquitoes in Florida so that they can't reproduce. But probably this is going to backfire in individually unpredictable ways. But it's very predictable that there will definitely be unintended consequences from this that are going to be hard to manage. Yeah. Yep. Um, Let's see. Uh, Let's see. So they say more efficiency and choices can harm our quality of life. Uh, by causing stress, destroying jobs, making us more materialistic. Um, that's a you know another science and technology theme or sub theme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean this is like I think this kind of checks out. Now it's like we're we already live in a very consumeristic society, and we've you know that's been a a problem for a while now. Um, now does yeah. that does that thereby mean that we live in a society like i guess you could say um our current sort of capitalist consumeristic sort of approach to things is very dystopian um Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that we're suffering a, a, a global dystopia but um you know anyway uh (laughs) <laughs> new technologies cannot solve problems of old technologies or just create new problems so uh that's a weird this, sentence uh it, that is how i would describe our lives <laughs> yes um 
we have all this shit that doesn't work so we made this new shit the, to fix the old shit or yes. do it better than the old shit but in doing so we've created all these other problems and so now we have new shit that doesn't work but differently from the old ways that it didn't work right right <laughs> Okay, what's the plan to fix what we've got now? Well, that's coming down the pike, but that's got some problems, too. Right. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I mean, this is strongly a problem of uh, tech debt, right? This is... Um, yeah. There's... Uh, there. So, this is definitely, like, a, recur- a recursive issue uh, in the sense that... In the strictest sense of the word recursive and not the way I may have misused it. Uh, well, no, I mean, yeah, I don't know that you definitely, I, I'm not sure you misused it. I think I was just kind of improperly understanding what you were saying. I well, think, but yeah. no, you're a programmer and recursion in like programming is a thing that's very different from y- yeah, but using recursion in like a, like a literary context or something like that. And so you're not wrong. That's true. But um, I think when we're talking about recursion, um, since this came up, let's just get the... So recursive as defined, characterized by recurrence or repetition. Oh, thanks. Um, okay, so... <laughs> now this is just redundant. <laughs> let's go with defining recursion then. Uh, here we or go. Recursive. The repeated application of a recursive procedure or definition. Fuck you! Right? It's so... See, it's like a tautology. Jesus Christ. Um, like, this these is, are terrible definitions. Okay. So recursive? Let's look up recursive. That's... I. Th- Oh, you did. And that's what led yeah, us to the back. It's the a bank. recursive definition of recursion. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. We've stumbled on like an internet logic problem. Okay, so Wikipedia has a better definition. Recursion is the process a, re- a, a procedure goes through when one of the steps of the procedure involves invoking the procedure itself. So, um what what I mean is like so lather, rinse, repeat is recursive. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, what I mean when I say that tech, uh, that new technologies cannot solve problems of old technologies or just create new problems, um, when we're talking about uh, it's it's sort of recursive in the sense that you're you're basically saying okay, create technology to solve a problem, and then. So step one to solve the problem is to create a new technology. And then mm-hmm. when that new technology creates a new problem, then you go back to the beginning where you create a new technology to solve the problem. And so it's right. it's sort of recursive in the sense that you are constantly going back to the beginning to to do a new iteration of the same basic concept of solving the problem, which is that let's throw some new technology at this. Um, yep. And I think that's kind of what you meant before when you used it. And I think I was I wasn't properly applying it, but I, yeah, I yes, that's probably fair. Yeah. I think I think that's essentially what I was getting at. Yeah. Like you know, uh, step one, solve all the problems. Yeah. Step two, see step one. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. It's definitely um, yeah. So uh, okay. And then the final one that Wikipedia lists as far as a sub theme of science and technology is that technologies destroy nature um or as a you know as a theme is that the technologies Mm -hmm. are destroying nature whether that's like harming human health or and or the environment um yeah because it's like you're so you're taking you can't escape nature you can put some distance between yourself and it or some insulation in the form of technology but the technology itself is derived from things that you have on hand that come from nature which is like hilarious um yes right and absurd right um and so to me it's like okay it to me it kind of makes me think of like if you have a bucket of lego the same number of lego are there like you don't lose any they don't disappear but if you have them in the bucket that's one arrangement of those things if you dump them out and start lumping them into colors or by shape or using some algorithm to sort them you are in effect applying and and then construct something you're applying technology to a thing that already existed but you're you're in doing so you're changing the amount of outcomes that you can have like when they're not prearranged you have an infinite number of outcomes right. like you could rearrange these in any way but the more you select 
for certain outcomes by sorting or assembling or whatever, the fewer choices you have to work with. Right, right. In the end. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. I think I think I kinda yeah. Um uh, it's like you all the stuff is still there, but you're rearranging it in such a way that so what you're I, like immediate the thing that I think about is the entropy problem. So what you've so if all the Legos are mixed up in the bucket, then they've kind of um, locally maximized their entropy, right? Like they're just mixed together. Um, yep. One could argue you could increase the entropy by then maybe throwing them on the floor outside of the bucket. But let's just not go there for the minute. So there's some there's some level of entropy. And so by taking them out of the bucket and organizing them, you have um, decreased their local entropy. So right. you've you've sort of forced them into an organization that um, required you've put energy into the system in order to reconfigure it. Um, and yes. by that very nature, uh, the system is now pushed into a particular state. In this example, that's not necessarily bad because it's it's maybe pushing towards your goal of ultimately, say, constructing um, a particular plan. Like if you're going to build a house or a spaceship or a fire yeah, engine or yeah. whatever you're going to construct with uh, your Legos. For me, it would definitely be the spaceship. Yeah. And so um, in that case, as you kind of move along, you're, you're narrowing their it's, – it's sort of – you're narrowing the distribution. You're using up resources um, as you pull Legos out of the bucket and organize them, and then put them in the final configuration. They're no longer available for use in other ways. Um, so, in that case, um, you know that's that is the entropy problem, right? So the problem being that as as humans, when we um, as as a life form and all life forms, we sort of consume natural resources they're no longer available for other processes that are are out there um i think people oftentimes look at nature and they kind of glorify it as uh you have sort of these ecosystems and and ecosystems are amazing because they kind of they're oftentimes like after a long after a long 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 time of of many cycles of evolution they've reached mm -hmm. some precarious balance point right where yeah um where the resources are the ultimately like on earth our our ultimate in energy input is the sun and the rest of the system runs off of that and so life life mm -hmm. basically uses sun energy to cycle through its various states and uh many of our ecosystems at one point had reached sort of equilibrium or kind of balance where they have um they have kind of a homeostasis right where they fight to maintain yeah. that um which means that you know, predatory populations are um, controlled by the availability of uh, food sources down the chain from there. So like you have other mm -hmm. minor, smaller animals, which their populations are controlled by the availability of their food source, et cetera. Right. And, yeah. um, and so it's, it's as humans, we kind of glorify that because our sort of ham fisted attempts to consume resources are uh, up until this point, generally non-regenerative right so we're like hey let's just mine all the fossil oil and just keep burning that that's yeah. fine what what could possibly go wrong um without <laughs> without any mind to well how do we put it back when we run out of this stuff um you know and i'm i'm grossly uh i'm grossly simplifying the problem right i mean there's all the other issues of we in releasing that. releasing that into the atmosphere and all the other fallout that happens from that, but um, yeah. but that's kind of where we're getting at with technologies destroying nature. Is it's like all all human activity is you know run by how do we get some energy and then um, and then combat entropy in our environment, right? Like we're kind mm -hmm. of like, hey, take some energy that we can we can either have you know, by consuming a resource and then inflicting order on some state. And so that's, you know, that's the nature of being alive. Like there's no, there's no way not to do that, um, that we currently know of. Right. Science seems to suggest that currently, uh, all manner of conservation of energy and the laws of entropy hold. Right. So, yeah. um, 
you know, right now the big thing is like, hey, maybe we don't have to be so ham-fisted about it. And if we're a little more thoughtful on how we consume resources, then maybe we'll all get to have those resources for a lot longer. Um, and also maybe we'll be able to find solutions where when we when those resources start to run out, we can replenish them with greater resources that are external to the planet, etc. So mm. um, anyway, technologies destroy nature as a theme of dystopia. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a, a good solid one. So um, yeah. <laughs> right. Woo. Woo. Uh, okay, well, I guess we talked about some of our pillars, we've done kind of a summation of um, where we've gotten to with our discussion of designing dystopias. I've been trying to, as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, maybe not on the podcast, which is why I'm mentioning it now. Hopefully, I'm I can I'm I'm trying to source a guest of the realm. She's a philosopher um, by training, or at least by education, and she had some very strong opinions about designing as dystopia. So I'm hoping to get her on the podcast as a guest of the realm. Uh, I'm really excited about that because I want to hear what she has to say. Yeah, me too. Um, so I will try and arrange that. And ideally, obviously, if you're available, then we can we can do it together, the three of us. Um, and if not, we'll we'll work it out. But um, anyway, you can get a hold of us at uh, at our website fcbm.io. You can get us with email dana at fcbm.io is our general manager no she is the executive assistant um senior executive assistant i don't know did she get promoted i forget what we did uh anyway dana at fcbm.io she's super fantastic she will direct your emails to uh either of us or if you go to our website you can get our direct emails as you need um i believe we just have a general email contact at fcbm.io I think we do. Um, anyway, you you do you. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, which is at FCBM underscore IO. And I'm not going to plug that. I mean, we're also on on uh, other social media platforms, but we don't care. And neither should you. Um, right. Okay. Oh, tip for living well in hell? Thoughts? Yeah, I thought of one while we were talking. Fantastic. And, um I think uh, it's not necessarily on the theme of dystopias, but yeah. rather um, just, uh, you know, I said your choices are half chance, which means that the best that you can do a lot of times is just to figure out the most optimized situation that you can create out of what you have on hand and just roll with that. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're born into circumstances that are not ideal, which let's face it is pretty much everybody. Yeah. I don't even know what ideal circumstances would be. I wouldn't even know. It's that we would, we would have to have a whole other series of several hour long conversations about that. And we would do a miserable job of actually capturing anything remotely close to ideal. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think just like, uh, whatever you've got on hand. Yeah. Uh, just use it to try and make things better. Yes. Yeah. And better is real subjective, so that's up to you. Yep. Yep. Um it, it, like I said earlier, uh people who are sleeping in parks right now are like, "Oh, my life would be better if I could just have a place to sleep." And the people surrounding those parks are like, "My life would be better if you didn't exist." <laughs> so we're kind of you just got to got to do the best you can with what you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think that's a good tip. Um, and uh, yeah, here we are. So thank you for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye.